Man, it's a very uh, sweet sense of the Lord's presence today, and that is a thing that we pray for. I want you to know that. Basically, every week, we're, we're asking that the Lord would meet us and meet you, even as you come in the room, that people would come in and say, you know, I sense something different in this place because of the manifest presence of God. So we pray for that when we encounter that and experience that. That's no small thing. We thank the Lord for it, and thank you, worship team, for leading us well into his presence. Uh, how many of you coming over to the newcomer luncheon today? Anybody saying like, oh yeah, I want some free lunch. That sounds good. All right, good. Right after the church service today, a couple of you guys coming over. We look forward to see you right out here in the lobby area cafe. Uh, we also have community group leaders. Don't be confused. You're also going that direction if you're coming for the lunch today. So those things are both happening today after this service. Uh, I have just a few things that I want to share with you on the front end before I get into the, the heart of the message, which is going to come from Proverbs chapter 3. I want to say publicly to the church just a tremendous thank you, uh, specifically for your generous giving in the last year. So our elder board met last week, and we frequently in our meetings will stop the business that we're doing just to, to look to the Lord, to thank Him for something that He has done, uh, to ask Him for wisdom if we're working on a decision that can be difficult, or to simply intercede for a need that we know of. So we do that pretty frequently anyway. But this last week as we were meeting, we, we stopped what we were doing to simply say, we want to thank the Lord for His generosity, His provision, the way that He has poured out uh, through your generosity in this last year. So here's what that means. Uh, a couple of wins that we're celebrating. We ended the year of 2023 in the black, which means that all of our ministries had what they needed to minister well. That is a testimony to your generosity. We saw very strong outreach in our giving over this last year, giving to missions, giving to partner ministries, giving to church plants, giving to the persecuted church. So beautiful. And all of that is also a testimony to your giving and your generosity. And so we want to simply say thank you for what you have done, and we give all the glory and the praise to God. We'll give a full report on these kind of things at our annual meeting, which happens at the end of February but we thought it would be appropriate today to come and to say uh, thank you to the Lord and to say thank you to you as a congregation for your part uh, in your generosity of this last year. How many of you were cold this weekend? Anybody brave the elements? Anybody get outside? I actually went, I did a little sled riding yesterday. It was fun. I didn't stay out very long because it was really cold. But it was a beautiful weekend, and this is the, the sort of bleak midwinter sort of time where it is chilly and it's cold. A couple of pictures that I brought for you today. Uh, the last one is the one with some sub, sub significance to it. Uh, but let me just show you a couple pictures uh, that I encountered this last week. I thought that was really cool. Uh, a little frozen uh, hummingbird. There's not a dead hummingbird inside. It's just ice that looks like a hummingbird. I thought that was actually sort of cool. Uh, uh, this next picture is a guy that decided he would try a little surfing in the uh, Sub-Zero, and he brought home a little, uh, a little souvenir with him uh, from his surfing. I thought that was kind of cool. This next picture shows the artwork that can come uh, from the, the fr frozen temperatures. I thought that was sort of creative and cool. The next one is sort of the artwork that is just God's design. These are kind of things that show up on people's windows and stuff. Sort of amazing, actually, the patterns that happen. And the last picture, this is one that I saw on the news. This is actually uh, a lighthouse uh, in Michigan. I saw this on the news and I looked at the picture because I thought, man, this is why we don't have lighthouses. You know, this is why I don't want to own a lighthouse. There's a lot of maintenance and upkeep on this thing. And then this sort of thought came to me, a frozen lighthouse. I wonder if that's a good word for the church. Somebody just went, oh, well, you went from really fun to really serious all of a sudden. 
A frozen lighthouse. You know, we're called to shine. We're called to offer safety and warning and shelter and guidance and stability. But a frozen church is not going to do any of those things. Somebody say amen. So that's why we invite the fire of God's presence. We invite the light of His Word, bringing glory to Him as we shine. The Apostle Paul said, you know, you're not just muted, you're not just sitting there, you're not just gathering, but you shine like stars even as you hold out the words of truth. So maybe in that spirit, and in the spirit of this series, Reset, we're going to ask God to maybe thaw us out a little bit, to clean us off a little bit, and cause us to shine brightly as we are called to do. So the series that we're going through here in the beginning of the year is called Reset, Getting Ready for the Year Ahead. And it's always exciting when we start thinking about a new season, a new time. What's God going to do here at State College Alliance Church? And we believe that the best is yet to come. Somebody say amen to that. Like, we love what God did in the past. We love the excitement and giving Him credit for all that He's done. We love learning from the things that we have come through, but we are not dwelling on the past, and we're not living in the past. We're looking forward with anticipation for the good work that God has for us in this coming year. So this sermon series is called Reset, and it's giving us some time to reflect on some of these things to start the year well. Many of us are doing 40 days of prayer. Some of us are doing some fasting, cultivating spiritual hunger. And this phrase that continues to grasp my attention, and I think about it when I pray for the church, is that we are inviting the favor of God. We are inviting the favor of God. How many of you want to walk in the favor of God in 2024? It's like, how many want to have a good day as opposed to a bad day? You know what I mean? Like, we want the favor of God. So how do we get there? How do we get ourselves into that place where we are able to receive that from Him? There's a ton of great things in Proverbs chapter 3. I'm actually going to spend this week and next week on this passage of Scripture. I'll focus on some different verses, but we're going to, look at, we're going to read verses 1 to 12 here this morning. So Proverbs 3, if you have your Bible, you can flip over there. If not, you can follow along. It is on the screen. And I'm reading in the New Living Translation. That's not my norm, but I've chosen that for today for this message. Proverbs 3, my child, never forget... The things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. And then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Verse 5 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best parts of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats with, will overflow with good wine. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Man, there's a lot in Proverbs 3. There's a lot more than what I'm going to preach on today or today and next week, and so I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will probably unpack some special things for you as you listen and as you read and as He speaks to you even today. 
But we've been going through this series called Reset. The first week we talked from Psalm 90, this idea of remember, rejoice, repent, and resolve. Last week we were in Isaiah 43, that we would have eyes to perceive and a heart to believe and hands to receive. And I got a text from somebody who said, I'm praying all of those things. And the Lord said, and I'm going to give you feet to proceed. And I said, amen, you go with your feet to proceed. You can add points to the sermon anytime. Praise the Lord. Today's uh, Proverbs 3 is actually the third of what uh, the commentators would call the paternal appeals of Proverbs. So we think about this word paternal appeal. You think about like what is it that a parent would want to impart to their child? What is the thing that like if you could give anything to your kid, you would think a lot. Like I can't give them everything, but what can I give them? What can I say? If you think about like a deathbed experience, right? I got, I got one more shot to, to give you a little bit more of encouragement or, or fuel for your fire as you go forward. So think that way as you think about this idea of paternal appeals. The first paternal appeal is Proverbs 1, 8 to 19. It's essentially this, don't be greedy. You know, don't, di- don't live a life that is self-absorbed in a way that you would pursue unjust gain. He said, if you can remember one thing, remember that. Don't be greedy. The second one is this, that you would gain wisdom. Proverbs 2, 1 to 22, get wisdom. If I could impart one thing for you, make it your mission in life to learn what it is to live with wisdom. It's more precious than rubies, more precious than gold. And this third one, if you were to sum it up, it sounds kind of like this. Understand what it is to fear the Lord. Understand what it is to live a life that is marked by a holy fear and reverence of God. That phrase actually shows up all throughout Scripture. There's a lot of promises that are attached to it, a lot of words that come and instruction that come with this idea of fear of the Lord. And when we talk with our kids, especially they're little, we say when we talk about fearing the Lord, uh, we're not talking about being afraid of God because we want to think of God as our Heavenly Father, but there's a deep respect in who He is. And that is largely true. Largely true. Let me just unpack a little bit before we get into the main part of the the message here today. Just a little word study, if you will, on the fear of the Lord. I'm borrowing from Ligonier Ministries and R.C. Sproul. He passed away a few years ago. Great teacher, incredible things that he left behind for us. Here's what he says. He says, the worst indictment that we read in Scripture, it shows up in the Old Testament, Psalm 36.1, and that is quoted in Romans 3.18, is this indictment. It's this. There is no fear of God before their eyes like the world that you live in the cultural shifts that you see the the problems that that we encounter largely boils down to this idea that as a human race our old nature is inclined to live without fear no fear of God in their eyes that was the indictment you can wrestle with that a little bit if you want to While you're doing that, remember that Scripture tells us that the fear of God or the fear of the Lord is the foundation for all true piety. It's the starting point for godliness. It is the beginning of wisdom and ultimately leads us into eternal life. And there's multiple Scriptures that talk about the fear of the Lord. It'd be a fine word study for you to do on your own. Sometimes the fear of the Lord, we tell people, okay, it's not that you're afraid. They say you have this deep respect. And while that is true, sometimes you're scared to death. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, you can look at scriptural examples. Isaiah comes into the presence of God in Isaiah chapter 6, and he says he sees God, and he's high and lifted up, and, and he sees the angelic beings, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah, who's like a pretty good guy, I mean, he's got some things together, he's a leader, he's been doing good things for the Lord, but in the presence of God, he is undone. He is beginning to dis integrate because his integrity is exposed for what it is within the holiness of God. And he cries out, he says, woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. That's his encounter. So you say, well, it's just like a little holy reverence. No, he's scared to death. He's coming apart. Remember when I was 19 years old, this is what I call my renaissance year. Because I came, I'd, I'd come through Penn State University for, first year. wasn't really walking with the Lord. I'm looking at you guys because I think mostly you guys are Penn State people, right? So I'm, I'm at Penn State University, and I came through my freshman year, and I was really miserable. I was just miserable because I had had sort of come through this declaration of independence. I, I would call it a soft declaration. I wasn't really defying God. I just was not interested. I, I was pretty sure that people who committed their life to following God were wasting their time. So I come to a place like Penn State University and I'm pursuing all kinds of other things and I'm looking. I, I was like genuinely seeking. I was like honestly seeking. There's got to be more to life than what I see in front of me. And so I'm wrestling with this kind of stuff and I'm checking out the party scene and it's like it's just, it's just not there. And I'm trying to find it in these relationships. It's just not there. And I'm trying to find it in academic pursuits and maybe I just wasn't smart enough but it just wasn't there either. And so I come to the end of the year and I'm pretty miserable and yet I'm seeing in certain people, and God has a way of bringing people into your life, you know, and you start to see like this guy that I know, he's just a regular guy like me, but he's like coming to life spiritually. And this girl that I know, and she's like coming to life spiritually, and all of them have this same common denominator that they seem to have this relationship with Jesus. And so I call it my spiritual renaissance because it was in the summer after my freshman year at Penn State University that I really got on my knees and had an encounter with the Lord. And all of a sudden, Things like hunger that I did not have before started coming alive. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Some of you do. Raise your hand. We need the encouragement. We need to encourage each other. All of a sudden, things that, that I, I, I used to go after, uh, I, I didn't have a hunger to go after those things anymore. And the things that I, I used to not have any interest in at all, especially getting in God's Word and spending time in prayer, I was finding these like delightful encounters with the Lord in prayer. Granted, I was still very immature in a lot of ways. I had a lot of growing to do. But God was doing something is what I'm trying to say. And it was that summer when I was in North Carolina, Outer Banks, North Carolina. How many have been? Yeah, OBX. It's, all, it's easy. It's fun. Nice, not too far. Nice beach. So I'm there. And I'm doing my devotions, and I'm sitting outside, and there's a storm that's starting to roll in off the ocean, which is also just an amazing thing to see. And I'm praying a little bit, and I'm, I'm just sort of pondering the greatness of God as I look at the beauty of creation. And in that moment, with my devotional in my hand, sitting on a stupid little lawn chair all by myself, the presence of the Lord showed up. And I was undone. I mean, it was not like, a, oh, this is nice. It was like I put my face in my hands. I put my head like down on my lap. And I think I stayed like that for almost an hour. It, it went by like that. But all of a sudden, I kind of stood up and, you know, I looked at my watch. And it was like almost an hour had gone by. Presence of the Lord. I'll tell you one thing. I understood some holy fear that day. 
I understood being undone. I understood feeling outmatched. And I think what I was getting maybe a taste of, and this kind of thing doesn't happen all the time. It has happened different times since then, but this was a powerful experience of the manifest presence of God. And I was undone. And I was learning something about the fear of the Lord. So I share all of that with you because when I ask the question, well, what does it actually look like to fear the Lord? A great way to answer is Proverbs 3. So today as we look at this, I want to ask you to simply reset the year with a few simple things in mind. And here they are. If you're going to take a note, you can write these down. The first one we're going to look at is make a choice. The second part is to go all in. And the third one is to embrace discipline as a gift. So make a choice. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. One of the most common Proverbs that there is. Many of you have heard it many, many times. Many of you have it memorized, maybe even in different translations. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's verse 7. You'll have healing for your body, strength for your bones. As we kind of get this first point started, let me remind you that the goal of what we do in Christ, the goal of what we do when we gather for worship, the goal of what we do when you get together with your community group or your Bible study, the goal of what we do when we serve or we feed starving children or we send money to missions, all of that stuff, exercising good stewardship, it is all under the umbrella of discipleship. Discipleship is the goal. It is why we do what we do. Discipleship is essentially becoming more like Christ in our thoughts, in our actions, and in our attitudes. When Rob Reamer was here for the, for the Soul Care Conference, he said discipleship is essentially culture change. Okay, It is a culture change from the old nature to the new nature, from the pattern of this world to the pattern of the kingdom of God. So when you read things like, trust in the Lord with all your heart... Here's the thing that's sort of amazing about it. We understand this idea of discipleship, but we are reading this from a new covenant perspective. It was originally given in an old covenant time. We read it in a new covenant perspective so that if you are in Christ today, meaning you have a relationship with Jesus, you bow your knee to the Lordship of Jesus, you're living for him, you are in fact trying your best to trust in him with all your heart, leaning not on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. You're doing that. That is a mark of discipleship. But here's what I want you to see. Trust in the Lord with all your heart was the very thing that God's people throughout history failed to do. So when you contrast the old covenant to the new, this is important to know. They needed a new heart. They needed a new name. They needed a Messiah, which we now have the benefit of understanding in the person of Jesus Christ. So this idea that when we say, first thing that you do is you make a choice, it would actually be faulty for me to say, the choice is just figure out in your own strength how to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Jesus said, with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. That was the old Shema. To, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Figure that out. And if you figure that out in your own strength, I think you'll be the first human being to do it. Because the only person who has ever done that perfectly is actually Jesus himself. Discipleship has a starting point. The starting point is 
that we repent and believe. It's very, very basic and simple. So if you're saying, I want to reset in the year, I want to learn to trust the Lord with all my heart and lean on my own understanding, the starting point is repentance, which is turning away from your sin and turning to God for his finished work and believing in the finished work of Jesus. That's where discipleship starts. Now, I don't want to take a lot, of, uh, a lot of fanfare on that because I want to actually get into that more with you next week, but I think it's important that we understand this. And this introduces, when we talk about a choice, actually a very basic struggle. This is why C.S. Lewis, he said it this way. He said, there's actually only two kinds of people in the end. There are those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. And what he's saying specifically here is this, that hell is actually a choice of those who say, I don't want to bother with submitting to the direction or the sovereignty of God. So you see this statement, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your understanding. This is a super loaded statement. It has eternal consequences. So if hell is actually a choice of those to say, I don't want to bother with submitting to the direction or sovereignty of God, essentially, hell is the place where his sustaining presence is withheld, where you do not have the option of trusting him with all your heart. Because essentially you've said, no, I want to lean on my own understanding. So C.S. Lewis says, sure. There are those who say, essentially, two kinds of people. Those who say, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. Jesus said it this way. He said, you've got to die to self to find new life. John 12. If you're taking notes, just jot that down. John 12, 24, 25. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest, new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it, and those who care nothing for this life for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. So the, the bottom line here is that at some point, you've got to make a choice. You want to reset well in 2024. You want to actually say, I want my life to matter 2024. I want my walk with God to matter 24. Well, you've got to make a choice. And many of you have made that choice. After you make that choice, the second thing I want to talk about today is you've got to go all in. That there is an all or nothing endeavor associated with this. Listen now. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. I'm going to explain to you over the next couple minutes why there are people in your life, and maybe you're in a place right now that this is you, that you have tried following Jesus and found it to be not what you'd hoped and you'd given up. You know people that are like that. Maybe some of you are in that place. Maybe you're wrestling with that right now. And I'm going to tell you why that is, among other things. Jesus was fully committed to the work of the kingdom. True or not? True. Jesus calls us to be fully committed to the work of the kingdom. True or not? Luke, Luke 9 is another one if you want to write it down. Luke 9, 62. Jesus told him anyone who puts a hand, his hand to the plow and then looks back, not fit for service in the kingdom of God. Why is he saying that? Because Jesus is fully committed to the kingdom. Jesus calls his people to be fully committed to the kingdom. Even if you go back to the wisdom literature of Proverbs, you have stuff like this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding. 
In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So here is the $100 question for the day. Are you doing that? And how would you know if you were? Like the verse is so easy, it got really quiet in here. <laughs> People go, wait a second, it's good, you're thinking about it. The verse is so easy to read, and you've read it so many times or heard it so many times that you've got it memorized, you can just kind of gloss over it. But if you really stop and you ask the question, but am I actually doing that? Like, does my life actually reflect that sentiment at all? Now, here's the, here's the, the really good news. None of this is going to be judgmental today. We're going to encourage you. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, and then we're going to allow you to respond in obedience as he leads you to do so. You see, we grow through obedience and surrender. So just as it's true that Jesus is committed to the kingdom and Jesus wants his people to be committed to the kingdom, it's also true that we grow through obedience. We grow through surrender. That's why if you're not willing to reset in a way that is Proverbs 3 and go all in, you find yourself frustrated very quickly. And I'll tell you exactly when you're going to know whether you're all in or not. You ready? It's when you go through trials. That's it. When the trials come, your level of commitment to say, I'm in. I'm going to follow you no matter what. Peter's like, Jesus, I'm going to go to the ends of the earth. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, well, guess what? Trials are right around the corner, and your lack of commitment is actually going to be revealed. I've actually seen the frustration, sure, in my own life and other people that I know where it's like my faith wasn't as strong as I thought it was going to be. And that trial kind of set me back, if you will. But I've also seen the opposite. I've seen the beauty of people in this very church who have gone through hell and back. I mean, they are in the midst of the trials, and their faith is standing strong. You know, and sometimes it's not until the trial comes that you really know where you are in this thing. Now, here's the other thing. God's very patient with our sincere but incomplete efforts. Keep this in mind, that Jesus said this to disciples, this idea of like putting your hand to the plow and keep going forward, don't look back and all that stuff. He said this to disciples who would go on to be all in, world-changing servant leaders. Most of them would give their very lives for the sake of the gospel. But first, they were sloppy and they were selfish, and they were misguided, and they were arrogant, and they were messy, and they were headstrong. And I, I'm thinking about this, and I'm wondering if maybe this is why Martin Luther, back 1521, he said, love God and sin boldly. Not because he's encouraging us to sin, but because he knew that if we are not going to get it fully right on this side of heaven, that at least we would be committed to fully committing ourselves with our imperfect discipleship. Now, for all of my perfect disciples that are here, again, the service does not apply to you. Just take the afternoon off and enjoy it. Good job, you got there. But for everybody that's still growing and everybody that finds themselves saying, you know, I still have some work to do, this is this all-in moment. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. This is just so amazing. You can be all-in and then realize that you actually have more to give. How many of you have experienced that? Just as, a, as satisfying my, I just like to sort of see where we are and who I'm talking to. How many of you have come to a place in your spiritual journey in life where you've said, Jesus, I'm giving you everything? 
right? I'm not saying this at all to call you out or anything like that. That's a good thing. It should be a daily prayer, right? God, Jesus, I'm, I'm giving you everything today. So after saying that to Jesus, how many of you found out that there was actually still more to give, right? This is the beauty of the Holy Spirit. This is why we don't rely on our own understanding. This is why we trust in the Lord with all our heart and we keep trusting in the Lord with all our heart. And what happens is that over time, we become more in tune with the voice of the good shepherd. It's not because you do this one time and he got it all figured out. I spent most of my young life thinking that was the case. And it just is simply not. The Holy Spirit continues to come to me and say, look, I actually want this part of your life too. I want you to go a little deeper. I want you to dig in a little bit more. And so I come back, trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not on my own understanding. So first thing, we make a choice. The second thing, we go all in, okay? Just think like Texas Hold'em. You know, you're going all in. It's like if, if, if I don't win with everything here, I'm not winning at all, but I'm going all in. And that's the people that last, those are the people when they say, you know, I'm going all in and I'm still going all in. And even when the trials come, they're able to stand strong. And you can read about the sower and the different, uh, the different uh, soils and different things like that. You do that on your own time when you, when you think about this. But that's the image that comes to the mind. You're cultivating the soil of your heart so that you can be fruitful. That is a good reset for 2024. Here's the last one we're going to do. We're going to make a choice. We're going to go all in. And then the final thing is that we're going to embrace discipline as a gift. Verse 11 and 12 we read already, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when He corrects you. For the Lord corrects those He loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. And your translation might say disciplines. Both discipline there, we see that as the root uh, of the word that we're talking about of disciple. So here's just what I want you to see, and we'll wrap up with this. Number one, you want to walk in the favor of God in 2024. I haven't talked to anybody yet who says, I'd prefer not to have the favor of God. Right? We want to have the favor of God. Then we have to decide when we trust him with all of our heart, lean not on, on our own understanding, we accept the discipline as gift. This is, what ha- this is what happens. That we find that easy is almost always different than right. I love it when the right way is the easy way. It's just not always the case. And you've got to be able to discern and decide between those two. Matthew 7, Jesus said this, the wide and narrow road. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. So listen, somebody, a a light bulb just went off in your head when you realize I've been whining about all of this stuff and how hard it is to follow Jesus and you find out that Jesus is going, yeah, not easy. But it's still right. And it still invites the favor of God. See, we've got to rethink what we mean by the favor of God. Right is not always an easy thing. Somebody say amen to that today. I'm going to give you one last little thought because this, uh, this group right here, your, this congregation, And I said this in the first service, and I mean it for them and for you. I think the hardest part about wisdom literature like this is this idea that I will not trust in my own understanding. And the reason is because you're very smart. Smart people. You're leaders in your field. You're owners of businesses. You got degrees. We got a lot of degrees sitting right in this room. It'd be interesting to count them up sometime. 
but it is precisely to a smart, educated, very able people that the Word of God says, and this is where it's challenging to say, don't trust in your own understanding. And I've wrestled with this for a while because I don't think that what it means is that your understanding is not of value. God is actually going to use your achievements and your accomplishment and the personality that he has uniquely given you and the ways that you have developed all of those things. He can use all of that for his glory. But here is the thing that I think we learn from Proverbs 3. That anointing beats intellect every day of the week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That means I'm going to be all in. I'm making the choice. I'm going to walk even when it's hard in the favor of God and in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm receiving from Him so that I'm prepared to give out and do the things that He wants me to do. The anointing beats intellect every day of the week. Somebody say amen to that. Some of you are not 100% sure. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So I, I brought this message to my staff this week. That's been a helpful thing that we do almost every week that whoever's preaching uh, presents the things that they're working on. And so uh, one of my staff members said, you know, maybe it would be good just to encourage our people. When we think about embracing discipline as a gift, if you try to do everything and you're resetting everything in your life that needs attention today, you're going to be overwhelmed in the space of, of, of a day and then be tempted to give up. But I wonder if just kind of leveling up was the word that he used. Leveling up in one of these areas. And so as you go back and you read Proverbs 3, I'll point out just a couple of these that stand out to me, but allow the Holy Spirit to point something out to you that would allow you to embrace discipline as a gift. The first verse is, my child, never forget the things that I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And the challenge is actually pretty simple. Are you connected to or resetting in 2024 in the Word of God? We have more access to the Word of God than ever before in history. It is not hard to have access. The question is, do we have the discipline to actually hide it in our hearts, to, to receive it, to process it, to prayerfully receive what God has for us? So reset in the Word. That would be one that you might take with you. The, verse 4 says, you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. And the question I wonder is this, do you need a reset in 2024 in your relationships? Conflict is a part of healthy relationships, but if you are in conflict in all of your relationships, there is some resetting that probably needs to be done in your own heart. If you are in conflict and in, in frustration with God in every aspect of your life, there may be some relational aspect there as well. And so we simply articulate, God, I want to trust you in all of these areas. One of them that needs a little help today is relationships. I want to reset in that space. Process that. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to you. Verse 27 says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Here's a question for you. Would you be reset in the coming year in a worldview that is shaped by God's word. Instead of simply coasting with where culture takes you to actually say, God, I want to know how you are calling me to think and believe and to live. That's what your worldview ultimately is. So reset in a worldview that's shaped by God's word. Uh, verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. A reset in stewardship. 
That it might simply be, God, there's generosity that you want to pull out of me. There's better planning and, and, and saving and all that kind of stuff. It's all stewardship. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And then finally, resetting in discipleship, which is where we're going to go next week. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when He corrects you. For the Lord corrects those He loves. Just as a father corrects a child in whom He delights. Man, there's like three more sermons swimming around in my head just on that little piece. And if you're a parent, you know what he's talking about. That you, you love somebody so much that you would say, I want to I correct this in you. I want to I help you go, grow. I want to cause you to, to, to let some stuff go behind you. And, and this is exactly what the heart of the Heavenly Father is for his people, is that he loves us enough to correct us and to discipline us. And this whole idea of becoming a disciple of Christ hinges on whether or not we say yes to him doing that. That's why I don't think you can reset well without a good Proverbs 3 dunk. And that's why we've done that today. Worship team, come on up. You're going to lead us uh, into one last song. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you will. I just want to pray for you. I want to give you some space to allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to your heart today. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for a new season. And we are grateful that throughout history, throughout the time of the old covenant, to the time that you called your disciples, to the time that you started building your church, and even to today, that this sentiment and this posture has continued to ring forward. That you are looking for men and for women who will say, yes, God, I trust you with all of my heart. And I don't lean on my own understanding. I trust you with all of my heart in 2024. Father, I pray that today would be just a beautiful encounter with you. We've already encountered you in some beautiful ways, but I just pray that today there's somebody listening to this message that needs to say, I need to make a choice about my way or God's way. And if you've never received Christ yet, today's a, today's a point of decision. I mean, this is a, a draw a line in the sand. This is a, a put a marker in the ground. And it's a, it's a day to say, I'm going to follow you with my whole heart. And here's the thing, you are not going to get it perfectly. You're not going to nail it. And the grace of God runs deeper than any miss, missed mark that you're going to have. But the posture of your life is going to change. Because you simply say, I'm going to make a choice. So I bow my knee to the Lordship of Jesus. We are new covenant people now. Listen, we are, we are responding to this Old Testament command in light of what Christ has already done. And so we bow our knee to the Lordship of Jesus. The Messiah has already come. The finished work has already been done. The sin has already been forgiven. So now we are going to receive with open hands the finished work of Christ for us. Make a choice. And if today's a day that you're saying, I'm making that choice, I'll just give you some simple words that you can make your own prayer. Say, God, I, I confess my sin before you. 
I bow my knee to the Lordship of Jesus. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I receive his finished work for me. I receive his forgiveness for me. I receive the new and abundant life for me. Somebody say amen. So today's the day to make a choice. Today's the day to go all in. It might be just once again the Lord saying, I want, I want everything. I want all that you've got. I want you to keep pressing in. I want you to keep learning. I want you to keep growing. I, want, I don't want you to hold anything back. That The simplicity of this passage that you can read in seconds is going to take the rest of your life to fully apprehend and to fully comprehend what it's going to mean. But today we say, God, I'm all in trust you with all my heart today we say Lord we embrace discipline as a gift you want to start a new thing today you want to stop an old thing today you want to show me the path that you have for me you want to start a a new habit you want to refine something in me you want to ask me to put something down you want to ask me to pick something up you want to call me to be deeper in the word you want to call me to be deeper on mission you want to call me to be a better steward of what you've entrusted to me whatever it is God we embrace discipline as a gift as a heavenly father who loves his children So we thank you. We thank you for the work that you're doing even now. Trust that you would take us deeper. We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, say it in a loud voice. Amen. Let it be.